Hello, listeners. As an enhancement to your listening experience, I am now going to present these archive episodes unedited in their entirety, which includes all of my afterthoughts. So, continue listening after the outro music if you want to hear what I thought of the episode. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please support it by going to the homepage spacerockethistory.com and clicking on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. And now I can also accept Zelle and Venmo. Just use my email address, spacerockethistory at gmail.com. Thanks. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? When that baby lights, there's no doubt about it. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you're listening to episode 253 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 12, Moonwalk 2, Part 4, Surveyor Crater and Surveyor 3. From the previous episode, we left Pete and Al on Moonwalk 2 just as they were preparing to explore the Surveyor Crater. Now, standing on the rim of the Surveyor Crater, Conrad and Bean rested for a moment. Just beyond the far wall, they could see Intrepid, and it now resembled a tiny replica. As Pete and Al considered their approach to Surveyor 3, there was some concern, both on the moon and in mission control. The fear was that Surveyor 3 might welcome its first visitors by sliding down the crater wall on top of them. For that reason, Conrad and Bean had decided to approach the spacecraft from the side, following the contour of the sloping wall. Figure out a plan of attack on the surveyor. One thing we would like to make sure is that you remain away from directly below the surveyor as you move up to it. That is, move up to it on one side or the other, either north or south. Okay, uh, we concurred with that. Uh, We were talking about it last night. We're going to approach it from the side. Surveyor 3 was now to the right of the astronaut's position, about 300 feet away, gleaming in the morning sunlight. Antennas and sensors still reached upwards from its tubular frame, just as they had on April 20, 1967, when the spacecraft thumped onto the moon amid blast from its braking rockets. I think we can do is walk down here about 300 feet and walk straight down that slope to it. I do too. It doesn't look so bad from here, does it, Pete? Uh-huh. Pete, uh, with that direction, of your travel be to the northeast direction. Now what we do is go directly east and then walk directly sort of north, you know, curving right around 
it down to it. Roger, copy, you're going directly east and then you'll be curving around going up north towards the surveyor. Like Intrepid, Surveyor had the strange organic look of a craft designed for the void of space. Fuel tanks and batteries protruded from its open frame. This unlikely robot had made history when its mechanical scoop, under command from Earth, had scraped the skin of the moon and given scientists their first real information on the physical nature of lunar soil. Surveyor had lasted just 15 days, until the onset of lunar darkness. It was a relic now, but it was about to make one more contribution to space exploration. At this point during the walk to Surveyor, Pete Conrad's heart rate was a moderate 110 beats per minute, and Al's was about 120. Houston became a little nervous about the walk down to Surveyor and wanted to make sure that the astronauts were ready. Pete and Al were pretty busy with sampling and repairing cameras at their last stop and did not get the rest that the flight surgeon was recommending. Pete and Al, Houston, uh, before you go much further, could you uh, stop and have a little break there before you proceed on down the slope? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're uh, just going to move to the area where we could stop and case the joint. Al, grab a shot of that feet of glass there and we'll bag it. Okay. Better than the Hope Diamond. After a very brief rest, Pete and Al continued their journey to Surveyor 3. Yeah, hey, that's coming in from the uh, south. Looks like a good way, Pete. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Al. I'm just going to lope right around here. That's what I mean. If you stay at this level, you'll end up at Surveyor. You're right. Follow the contour lines. No problem at all, Houston. Look at the scoop sticking out. I didn't could see that before. Pete Nail, could you give us a comment on uh, how far you're sinking in? Not sinking in very far at all. This is fairly firm stuff. And uh, I'm down in the crater about... The same distance down a surveyor is. I'm just going around it radially. Would you say so, Al? Yeah, I'd say that uh, uh, I think Houston is just concerned about us getting down in this crater. We've been thinking about okay. it too, Houston. Now, don't but, worry uh, about it, Houston, because it's it's really it's no strain. I'm uh, 200 feet away from it. I'm at the same level. The ground is firm, and I could go right back up the way I came out with no strain at all. That's right. Roger, sounds good was going to be last night when we were talking about it. Yeah, it is. I, I don't think there'll be any sweat. Yeah, I'll tell you what let's do. Get right over here and we'll park all our gear, take ourselves a little rest, go over your photo plan, and then we'll have okay. it. Let's go right over here. I'll tell you what, why don't you get a photograph of it right now? It's a good place. Okay, we'll do it. Stop and do it right here. Trying to see which way it landed. Okay, Pete uh, and Al, when you're looking at it there, would you also uh, try to determine whether there's any effect from the dust during the descent? That is, could you determine whether there's uh, more dust on either the west or the east side of uh, any of the bays and the north or the south side of the uh, camera? 
Okay, we sure will. I actually flew around it. I'll tell you the way that dust was going, it probably went right over top of it. You know, that's right. Any dust you hit on the edge would never go down in this crater. Yeah. I'm going to move you up here just a little, Pete, without any tools, which makes it pretty easy. But look, I'll tell you what, let's leave the whole... I'll tell you what, let's take the tool carrier with us. I think yeah. we can go right up the other rim and around to... Uh, sure. Stand right on that big blocky baby there. And, uh, hey, Matt, we can hit that bedrock. Right over there. That's huh? that neat crater. Yeah. Well, I'd rock you. Just give it to the back of the limb. Surveyor was a relatively old crater, and the geologist had warned the astronauts to expect a soft, thick dust blanket there. But the moonwalkers were relieved to find firm ground that gave good footing. With slow, careful steps, they closed in. They could see, to their surprise, that the surveyor wasn't white anymore. Instead, it was a light tan color. Right. You know, this one's brown, and I don't remember ours being brown there at the Cape. Kind of a light tan, or maybe that's, maybe that's the way it's changed color. What color was this one? Houston white? When it, when it started out? Stand by on that. Yeah, it looks a light tan now. I tell you, this crater isn't as steep as uh, we thought, Pete. Uh-huh. I better be careful. I'm going to get dust on her. Yeah. Now well, the equipment bays were white on the side, and the scoop itself was a light blue. Well, it's kind of a well. We'll get down there and get closer inspection. What was the general color of all the structures? For example, all the struts and the like. That's all white. The equipment bays and the primary structure is all painted with a white paint. Dirty turned tan or something. We have to look at it more closely. No, that's what happened. It's changed color, huh? It sure has. The sun's cut that paint brown. Can't imagine that. Had Surveyor been baked by the sun? Or had Conrad and Bean sprayed it with dust when they landed? They would investigate when they got closer, and they would take pictures of it from every angle, and more pictures of the soil and rocks nearby, so the scientists could compare them with the surveyor's own images from 31 months earlier. They would collect some of those rocks, and then Conrad would snip off pieces of the craft to take home. But before they poked, prodded, and otherwise cannibalized the probe, there was something Al and Pete wanted to do. This brings us to the caper. Before the flight began, Conrad and Bean decided they wanted to do something while they were on the moon that would be amusing, a joke or trick for their friends and family back home. Conrad was a longtime collector of hats. He had managed for the crew systems people to make a giant blue and white baseball cap that would fit over the top of his space helmet. He was going to put it on and wait for everyone on Earth to notice as he bounded past the TV camera. Unfortunately, nobody could figure out a way to get the cap into the lunar module in secret. 
so they had to think of something else to do. The alternative plan called for Conrad and Bean to get one of the support crew to go out and buy an automatic timer for the Hasselblad camera. It was a little spring-loaded gadget. Conrad and Bean's idea was that they would mount the camera on the hand tool carrier and then pose side by side next to the surveyor. It would take only a minute for them to fire off a few shots, saluting and waving, shaking hands or whatever, and Conrad was sure that when they got home, one of those pictures would end up on the cover of Life magazine. He couldn't wait until everybody asked, with both astronauts in the photo, who took the picture. Conrad managed to smuggle the timer in the pocket of his spacesuit. He had remembered to bring it into the lunar module with him, and just before they headed out on the traverse that morning, he had dropped it into the tool carrier. But it was full of rocks now, and tenacious lunar dust. When the time seemed right, Bean rummaged in the bag for a moment, looking for the glint of chrome on the timer. But all he saw was grime. To make things more difficult, the astronauts couldn't talk about it over the radio because the whole world was listening. And if they heard, they would realize Pete and Al were up to something. So, Pete and Al used hand signals. While Conrad continued holding the tool carrier, Bean continued to rummage through the samples, each in their little Teflon baggies. But they were still unable to find the timer. Bean then got down on his knees and began taking out the rock samples. But he was concerned that he would lose them. Conrad also helped look for a couple of minutes, but they still could not find the timer. Finally, Al gave up and said, Forget it. And they put all the rocks back in the bag, sadly realizing there would be no photo of both Apollo 12 lunar astronauts together on the moon. Later, when Pete turned the rock sample bag upside down to pour its contents into the rock box for storage, he found the self-timer sitting right on top. But they were out of time and not close enough to the surveyor then. It was a great idea, but like many things in life, circumstances didn't work out exactly. Years later, Al Bean painted what the picture would have looked like had they been able to take it. He named the painting, The Fabulous Photo We Never Took. Here's a clip of the search for the Hasselblad timer. Major Combat, huh? We looked down there just once more. Oh boy. Look at Jim. Yeah, I'm holding it with this pose. See? Wait a minute. What's in your bag here? Yeah, they're in a film magazine. Look that handle and throw it away. Okay, that's a good idea. Junk out of there we don't need. Turn this in. Finally, the astronauts made it to Surveyor 3. 
They radioed their description of the craft and then took more pictures. I tell you what, why don't you mosey down there and start taking some photographs? That's a good idea. The first thing is photo bay, 11, 15 feet, one picture. 11, 15, let me get a check. 11, 15. Boy, that's turned just kind of a light tan, as it bigger has. And some of the things are even a dark brown. Now you're closer than 15. Don't go any closer. Yeah, maybe I better back up and add a boy. How's that? Yep. Hey, Pete, uh, do you think there's a chance you're at the wrong surveyor? No, sir. Boy, it sure dug in the ground, didn't it? Oh, look at those pad marks. They're still there. Still waffle imprints on it. Okay, what's next? Photo TV sector, F8, 15, three pictures. Okay, let me move down. Hey, this tough checklist sure helps do the job. It sure does. Cadet Gibson checklist. Okay, yeah. Hey, look at that dirt still on the footpad. It's going to make compliments to the Capcom. Hey, we got a nice brown surveyor here. Houston. Yeah. Even the uh, the tanks, which were well, raised the visor, is not so brown, but it's and the glass is still on the top. Not a bit of it is fractured. Yep. Amazing. Okay. Shovel is a gray. Make the surveyor scene here. I don't want to kick any of this dirt up because I'd like to get a picture of compacting of the dirt there. Yeah. That'd be a tough shot. That's photo TV sector, FA 15 and 3. Now I have photo scoop imprints, FA 5, 2 and stereo. Boy, that color chart is sure changed colors these days. Okay, let me get a quick shot here. How about PC, no shit. Okay, now what? The footpad? Photo scoop imprints. F8, 5 feet, 2 in stereo. Okay. The scoop imprints look different than I imagined. Okay, let me try. And a little closer. Have to really bend over. Oh, you too. Back up. Where are you shooting now? <laughs> shooting right there with the oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah. But the next one is photo the foot pads, two prints, F852 in stereo. Hey, just a second, I'll get it. I'm going to, I know what I want to do. Okay. But yeah, I'll get the foot pads now. And I'll also get the dirt that's on them. The dirt surface by the foot pads, two area. Okay, then take photo. Uh, FP2 area, FA5 in stereo. Okay, will do. Okay, next one, Pete. Photo Vernier engine bay A, F11, 5 feet, 1 picture. Okay. Looks pretty good. The engine is still green. Yep. Uh, but that green seems to have less uh, change than most of the rest. Okay, Pete, that's complete. Houston, okay. not a bit of this glass is cracked. Uh... One little piece down here looks like it uh, no longer reflects. But uh, other than that, it's in perfect condition. A little warped. Segments warped. But uh, other than that, it looks pretty much the same. The thing that's most amazing to me is how it's turned so brown. Roger, we copy that, Al. Yes, I think you got a photo of that scoop there, the way it dug in. I did. There's no way that thing could slide down the hill on us the way it's dug in. Uh -huh. 
Okay, now let me get that foot pad. That's a beautiful shot there. We're going to do foot pad three, I guess it is. Or is that one? Foot pad three. Okay, and that's going to be an F8, probably. It's pretty low. Let me try five, six. That aft uh, honeycomb uh, shock absorber stuck to dirt. Looks like it took some of the shock. Other than that, the front one didn't appear to do that. There we go there. Sure isn't going to slide down the hill, though, that's for sure. But those solar arrays are not blue anymore. They're black. There's a canopus seeker. Oh, there's some... Hey, here, let me get the top of this little instrument box because the glass is fractured there. Okay. I'm interested in that. See if I can get it. Hey, this is... This is so much easier working around than in one G in our practice. It's unbelievable. Pete, can you move your shadow in this situation? Roger, Pete. Good way to have it. Okay, photo the TV mirror. Okay. Well, the TV mirror is F8, 5. Thank you. A TV mirror is brown. Yeah, yeah I, it's no longer a mirror. No, it's, it's brown because it's looking at brown, isn't it? souvenir time. The first thing was to verify Surveyor was firmly planted. Conrad gave it a jiggle to confirm it was not going to move as the astronauts operated on it. Pete radioed, Okay, Houston, I'm jiggling it. Okay, Houston, I, uh, I'm jiggling it. The Surveyor is firmly planted here. That's no problem. After assuring mission control, Conrad wielded a pair of cutting shears and began the surgery of Surveyor 3. First of all, the engineers wanted some samples of Surveyor's metal tubing to see how it had been affected by 31 months on the surface of the moon. Okay, retrieve cutter and can. Okay, here we go. Comes the cutter. Okay, you got to cut this cable too, Pete. 
No, it goes around the camera, all right? Oh, no, it doesn't either. Uh, I know it's tubes, isn't it? Yep. All right, you see that, that uh, material disintegrate. Hey, that's cut easy. time for what Conrad wanted most, the surveyor's TV camera. With all its circuitry and moving parts, it was the real prize. Conrad wrestled with the shears as he tried to cut the camera support struts, saying, quote, Okay, two more tubes on that TV camera and that baby's ours, end quote. Then he made another cut and said, quote, There's one, end quote. Now Bean gripped the camera with his gloves, and Conrad made the final cut, saying, quote, It's ours, end quote. That TV camera was his mission trophy. Whip around the other side of that scoop. Let's get that camera. All right. Wait, I've got to open your bag. Stop. I'm not going anywhere. Excuse me. I'd open your bag. Open's good. All the parts are working. Okay, I think it's open. Hey, I got a shiny tube for you. Okay, let me get it, let me get it. 
You sure do. That's a good one, too. Here, wait a minute. That's your hand. Cut. Good cut. Good cut. Good one, Pete. Okay, two more tubes on that TV camera and that baby's eyes. There's one. As a bonus for the scientists and engineers, the astronauts also snipped off Surveyor 3's scoop, which still had moon dust inside of it. They cut, and they wanted that joint if they could get it. They have to work, and you're okay. Salutations from the Bear State. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode 253 of the Space Rocket History Podcast entitled Apollo 12, Moonwalk 2, Part 4, Surveyor Crater, and Surveyor 3. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. I want to give a big shout out to all my longtime listeners. Thanks for staying subscribed and extend a warm welcome to my new listeners. I'm glad you're here. Today, we salute the Mir ISS-level donors. There is one so far this year. Mir ISS donors contribute $80 or more during the calendar year. Thanks for your continued support, Mir ISS donors. Okay, I had a few afterthoughts about this week's episode. Uh, First off, next week we will cover Blocky Crater and the end of the moonwalk, and we may even have a lunar liftoff. Want to credit my sources for this episode, A Man on the Moon by Andrew Chaikin, Apollo 12 Lunar Surface Journal, and Apollo, an eyewitness account by Alan Bean. Well, what did you think about the caper? I guess some crews like to have fun and put their mark on a mission, and some crews are more businesslike and stay in the confines of their mission plan. In this case, the Apollo 12 gag did not work. But I do agree with Conrad. If the picture with the timer had worked, it would have been a great cover for some magazine. Did you catch Capcom Gibson's attempt at humor? Remember he said, Hey Pete, do you think there's a chance you're at the wrong surveyor? <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I guess he was uh, referring to all the times Pete and Al wondered if they were at the right crater. 
pretty good. Moving on, I enjoyed how excited the astronauts got to get the camera off of the surveyor and put it in the bag. They they were saying, it's in the bag, it's in the bag. <laughs> and Houston responds, copy, it's in the bag. That was funny. I enjoyed that. Okay, I have some posted some pictures and the audio for this episode on my webpage, spacerockethistory.com. Hope you check that out. I was pleased to receive eight new donations and one increase in support of the podcast over the past couple of weeks. Otar D. sent in another donation this year, moving him to the Soyuz level. Lawrence W. donated at the Vostok level and earned his rocket emoji. Kenneth W. from the UK donated at the Apollo level and earned his rocket emoji. Peter H. donated at the Apollo level. Nick I. from Stockholm, Sweden donated at the Vostok level. Tick Neil from Germany donated at the Soyuz level. Geary S. from India donated at the Vostok level. Darth R. pledged on Patreon at the Orion level. And John N. pledged on Patreon at the Apollo level. Our Patreon total donors are still at 169. We lost some and we gained some. And the goal for 2018 is to reach 218 Patreon donors. The overall total of donors this year is 248 with a goal of reaching 418. Thank you so much for those coming in for me in April because it's been a historically low month and I appreciate you donating in April. For those of you who are enjoying the content provided here and have not donated yet in 2018, please consider supporting the podcast if you're financially able. Keep in mind, Space Rocket History is entirely listener-funded, and I depend upon your financial support to keep the podcast going. To support the podcast, go to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com, click on the orange Donate button or the Patreon link. All donors are rewarded with their name on the donors page at the level they choose to donate. Now, for those of you who have already donated for 2018, I certainly appreciate it. I have an item to give away this week, and I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> Instead, it will be a surprise to the lucky winner. To select the winner, Mrs. SRH gave every 2018 donor a number then she put the range in Google's random number generator and got the number for Ronald Bogner. That's Ron Bogner. If you would email me, mike at spacerockethistory.com, and tell me your address, I will mail this out to you. I was pleased to see the podcast received eight new five-star ratings on iTunes over the past couple of weeks, and I wanted to thank M. Delling for the very kind review and the five-star rating and also the seven other anonymous people who gave the podcast the all-important five-star rating. Also, we had two more five-star ratings on the Archive podcast, and I want to thank whoever did that. Okay, folks, this episode is in the bag. Hope to have episode 254 posted by next Thursday. So long for now.